So just something struck me as we were praying at the end of worship, as we were praying for those who have been suffering with things like anxiety and, and, and mental health issues. Actually, when God takes those away, he wants to replace it with something. There's not just a void. It doesn't just disappear. Actually, what he wants to replace it with is joy. Because actually, joy is the antidote. And um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. Amazing, isn't it? Um, so um, I just wanted to say that now because I know by the time I get further down, I'll have forgotten that um, because that's what I do. Um, so I wanted to mention that. So if as we're going through this, if that's something that you have been particularly plagued with um, in terms of your thoughts and, 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 and mental health, um, then just just listen out and equate this with the thing that's going to replace those anxious thoughts. So over the last few weeks, we've been considering some of the implications of all that we saw at the, at the conference when Surprise was with us, um, the, the God of Miracles conference. And we were going to do a series on Ephesians, but felt, do you know what, we've just got to go with what God's doing. Ephesians will still be there when we've done this. It's fine. It's not going anywhere. Um, so we'll, we'll do that then. But let's do and follow up on what we see God doing. Um, and I've been constantly impressed as I've seen the elders here function that way in saying, actually, God's doing this. So I know we've got this planned. Let's just put that. Let's go with where God's going. Uh, and I, I love that. Absolutely love that. Um, so um, we've been focusing as a result of that on the presence of God over the last few weeks. And we know that that's key for us as a church. So that's why we've done this series. And we've learned a lot over the last few weeks. So over the last few weeks, we've learned that in the presence of God, there are miracles. We've learned that it was the presence of God that led the Israelites out of Egypt and away from the Egyptian army, that that presence of God looked like a pillar of cloud in the day and fire at night. And um, we've also learned that the presence of God was central to the camp of the Israelites, totally central. Everybody was focused on the presence of God and the presence of God still guides us and leads us now. And then last Sunday, Rob talked about us being carriers of the presence of God, presence carriers, and that everywhere we go, we should expect God to be with us by his presence. And if that's the case, then we should expect to see things happen. We should expect all sorts of things happening around us as we carry the presence of God into our workplaces, our schools, our universities, and wherever it is we go, our our neighbourhoods. We should be looking to partner with what the Holy Spirit is doing. And if you've missed any of the any of the preaching over the last few weeks, the podcasts are all up there. So please catch up. They've been really good and really important. As I said, we know that as a church, we're called to be a people of the presence of God. That we echo the words of Moses in Exodus thirty-three fifteen, when Moses said to God, if your presence doesn't go with us. Don't send us up from here. If your presence isn't going here, then neither are we. If your presence is staying here, 
we're staying here. That's what the Israelites did. That's what we do. That's what we want to do. That's the aim. What's the point of anything if we don't know the presence of God with us? What's the point? I'm not, I'm not interested in going somewhere where the presence of God isn't. This is just pointless. It's just pointless. So we move with the cloud of God's presence. And we do it as a people. We do it together. One of the things we learned from when Simon spoke so powerfully is that this is a corporate thing. Yes, we go out as individuals into the world, but there's a corporate sense, like a, a, an extra sense of God's presence as we meet. There's, there's an intensity when we meet. That's one of the reasons we meet. We come together with a focus that increases that intensity in the presence of God. And we're looking at the presence of God again today, but another aspect, as Becky said, we're looking at joy. Now, I've been mocked a little in that that I'm speaking on joy because it has been on occasions that I've been labelled a bit of a grumpy old man. But what what do you mean, amen? But what I want to show you today is joy is more than just what's happening on your face, but your face usually reflects what's happening inside. But that we're not all perfect and we don't always display it. <laughs> and we're going to have some fun. So turn if you have your Bibles. Uh, apologies, I don't have PowerPoint. I've had a busy week and having just moved house and all the rest of it, lots of excuses, but I don't have any PowerPoint slides. I I ran out of time. Um, But turn to Psalm 16. Back into the Old Testament. We're going to do Old Testament and New Testament today. So Simon did Old Testament. Rob did New Testament. I'm doing both. It's both important, okay? (laughs) Let's do it right, hey? (laughs) Anyway, Psalm 16 verses. See, there's joy... (laughs) (laughs) we're not going to get through this are we Psalm 16 verses 5 to 11 and as we look at these verses as you look those up as we look at these verses I am expecting God to do something I am expecting God to take what we're looking at today and fix something in our hearts and in our minds because there's no point looking at this and going back and saying oh that was nice Not just because I'm saying it, but it's the word of God. And we're going to look at it and we expect there to be change. We expect God to do something. And if I keep going on like this, we're not going to get through it. So here we go. We're going to look at this psalm, which is David. We're going to look at Jesus as well in a moment. And we're going to look at how that applies to us as well. So Psalm 16, verses 5 to 11. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. And here's the important verses that we're going to focus on today. And in your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. 
This was written by David and David had seen his life threatened. He'd gone through hard times. He'd gone through suffering. He feared for his life, but he had been delivered. God had saved him and he's rejoicing that God hadn't abandoned him and that God had delivered, delivered him. He says, the lines have fallen for, fallen for me in pleasant places. That means things have gone well for me. Life's good. David is happy. He's content with his life. He's content with all he has. He knows, though, that everything good in his life at that point has come from God. He knows it's not just stuff he's got, nice things he's got. He knows that what he's got, he's been given by God, and that's why he's rejoicing. But then we come to verse 11. Because God revealed something to David about his presence. Because David saw that, yes, I've been delivered. Yes, I've got all this good stuff. Yes, my life is good. But it's in your presence that there is a fullness of joy. We know David's in a good mood. We can see that. And we know from reading Psalms that he's not always in a good mood. But he knows that for complete joy, for fullness of joy, he needs to be in God's presence. It's God's presence that brings that joy. But the question I have is from this, is that what about when things are hard? What about when we are suffering? What, what about when we don't feel the joy? When we're not feeling like that? How do we weigh that up? How do we equate that with what is in the Bible here? Because we don't want to be unrealistic or superficial about this. We suffer. We have hard times. We have times that make us unhappy. We go through challenges. So how do we work that out with the fullness of joy, with the presence of God? In fact, what is joy? What are we even talking about? What does it look like? What does it feel like? Where does it come from? I want to answer all those questions today, hopefully. But now I've set those questions up, I want to look at one other example from the Bible, and that's Jesus. You see, we, something, we see something a little different when we look at Jesus. See, for David, we saw he'd suffered, he was saved, and he was joyful. But Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 2. Let's look at this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of God, the right hand of the throne of God. See, David was fearful. David was, uh, God saved him and then he rejoiced and was joyful. So we see David after he suffered. But in this, from Hebrews, we see Jesus before he suffered. He was going to go into something worse than anybody had ever been into before. Yes, people had been crucified before, but the Son of God had never been separated from his Father before. But Jesus was about to be crucified, was about to go there for us, to take on all our sin, all our shame, 
on himself to take the separation from God that we deserved because we'd rejected him. He was taking that in our place. And so he was for that time, that short time before he was resurrected. He was separated from God. That is the place where there is no joy because there is no presence of God. We have never been in that. Even before you knew God, his presence is around us to a certain extent. We have never sunk to that. We have never been totally separated from the grace of God. But for the joy set before him, he endured the shame of the cross. Even though he knew he was going to be separated from God, he went through it because there was joy set before him, because there was joy to come. And I'd even suggest that there was something of joy in Jesus, knowing what he was doing for us and knowing what was coming. There was a joy down there that didn't result in laughter. Jesus wasn't laughing as he went to the cross. Jesus was in anguish. But there was something deep inside that meant he would carry on because he knew God. And he knew what was coming and he knew the victory that was coming and he knew the reason he was doing it. He knew why he was going to suffer. He knew why. Because there was a joy set before him where he was going to be in the presence of God and there would be pleasures evermore. You see, we see something different in Jesus, which is normally the case. (laughs) Now, I found a great piece of writing on the Internet that describes Christian joy. And I can't read all of it because it's too long an article. Um, But I'll tell you the details so you can look it up in a moment. I'll tell you the writer after I've read it. Because, you know, some people, they hear the name and maybe put off. So I'm going to tell you the writer afterwards. Not that you, I don't see you would be put off, but you never know. But here's a quote. It's a bit of a long quote. But here's a quote on Christian joy. (coughs) Christian joy is a good feeling. By that, I mean it's not an idea. It's not a conviction. It's not a persuasion or a decision. It's a feeling or, I use the words interchangeably here, an emotion. One of the marks of the difference between an idea and an emotion or feeling is that you don't have immediate control over your, uh, your emotions. You can't snap your fingers and decide to feel something. For example, say you're going camping. You wake up. I know, just some of you, that's harder to imagine than others. I know that. Imagine you're going camping and you wake up in the night and there's this gigantic silhouette of a bear outside your tent. It's a grizzly bear. He seems hungry. You don't say, now, let me think about this. There's a bear. Bears are big. Bears are dangerous. Conclusion, I should feel fear here. So now I will decide to be afraid. Emotions don't work like that. Thinking works like that, but feeling doesn't. It happens to you, which means that the Bible is filled with commands that we do things that are immediately outside of our control to do. Commands to rejoice, to fear, to be grateful, to be tender hearted. One of the reasons I am the kind of Christian I am with the theology that I have is that I know the Bible requires of me things I cannot myself immediately produce by my own power. I'm fallen. I'm sinful. Yet I know I should be feeling the emotions the Bible expects me to feel. 
St. Augustine said, Father, command what you will and grant what you command. He knew God commanded certain emotions of him that he couldn't make happen on his own. So he prayed, oh God, if you are going to command me these things, grant that you would give me them when you command them. There's more of that, and I'll tell you about that in a minute. But the writer then goes on to say that the feeling of joy is in the soul, but it does have physical repercussions, laughter, tears, things like that. And he goes on to say, crucially, that it only comes by the Spirit. It's only by the Holy Spirit that we can feel these things in all their fullness. The writer is John Piper. It was John Piper. If you search for John Piper and definition of joy, you'll get the full article. And it's brilliant. It's absolutely a masterful piece of writing. Um, Joy is produced by the Holy Spirit. We can't work it up. We can't decide to feel it. We can't manufacture it. David knew that because he said it's in God's presence and God's presence comes by the Holy Spirit. It's in God's presence that I feel fullness of joy. Yes, I can feel happy at the things around me, but fullness of joy is by the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23. You probably know this, the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. You see, David was full of the Holy Spirit. So he could say, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. So he could say, for the joy set before me, I'll endure that cross. Now, at this point, some may say, I'm filled with the Spirit. I'm not feeling the joy. Life's too difficult right now. Don't give me something else to try and do and feel and be. So here's where we need to apply some of this to our thinking. Jesus was in a hugely difficult situation. He knew there was no getting around it. So what did he do? He looked at what the suffering was going to produce. For the joy set before him, he knew it was going to produce something. You see, often we don't look to the joy That's to come. We live in a society that says, no, now, instant gratification. Give it me now. Give it me on my terms. Give it me so I don't have to feel the pain. Actually, Jesus says, no, that pain is going to produce something in you by my spirit. A few weeks ago, and I don't know whether, Steve, you were quoting someone else, but this is a brilliant quote from Steve Wicking a few weeks ago. And he said, we are not a people of circumstance, but a people of joy. Brilliant. And we need to learn that. When I went through a difficult time, I was suffering. I wasn't joyful. I wasn't. Because I allowed my suffering to take my eyes off Jesus. I allowed my suffering to take me out of the presence of God and away from the Spirit. I allowed that to happen, which is why I felt no joy. Now, maybe if I'd have looked at that and said, God, show me what you're doing in me, what you're going to produce in me, maybe I'd have seen it differently. 
But actually, sometimes we allow it to take our minds, our eyes off Jesus. We get distracted by our suffering instead of seeing that suffering as something that's going to bring something good for the joy set before us. Maybe I'd have come through it quicker (laughs) if I'd have seen it that way. You see, we very easily become victims of our circumstances. But you know what? We can be freed of that. If you're a victim of your circumstances today, God wants to free you of that today. If you're not feeling the joy because of the circumstances around you, if you're not coming to God and coming in his presence because of the circumstances around you, then God wants to free you of that. The Holy Spirit can put joy in our heart in a supernatural way because it's only he that can do it. The real joy, not the temporary joy, the passing joy, the the, the stuff that's based on things we do and what we have and and how good our life is, but actually the real deep-rooted joy that goes past our circumstances, beyond what's happening around us. He wants to do that in us. And actually there was some of that happening in the worship already today. Do you know he can do that even if the circumstances don't change? It might be that your circumstances stay the same. But actually he can change the way you're thinking. He can change the way you're feeling. And you will have a joy that, that just goes way beyond your understanding, way beyond your circumstances. You should be in a place or we should be in a place and can be in a place that says, do you know what? This is weird. I'm all right. I'm full of the joy of the Lord even though my life is rubbish right now. That, that can happen. The joy of the Lord is not captive to our circumstances, even if that has been your experience and it has been mine at times. God has put something in you that in the same way as he did with Jesus can give you the certainty and the hope to carry on. Do you know that joy may not be displayed with laughter and jumping around all the time, It doesn't have to be all of the time. Jesus wasn't jumping with joy when he faced the cross. But there was something in him by the spirit that gave him what he needed to carry on, to go through. And sometimes that's what that joy does. It's an internal, quiet assurance that God has put there by his spirit, that fruit that he's put there that says, no, I'm carrying on. I'm going forward. But... It can't always stay inside. It can't always be internalised like that. The setbacks that we have in this life are temporary. The joy that we have by God's spirit is permanent. Okay? It's deep-rooted. It's brought to you by the Holy Spirit, not by circumstances. Now, God sometimes brings you circumstances that help you express it and feel it, that add to it. But it's not the circumstances that do it. So for some, you need to shift your perspective from your circumstances to Jesus. For others, you know you've got it. But you've just been holding it in, holding it down. And I think I said this a few weeks ago. It's like I was going to do, I was going to be really naughty, and I, I, but I didn't have a bottle. I was going to get a bottle of 
what I was going to say was lemonade and shake it up and say, you've got to take the lid off and it would only be water inside. And that would have been really funny, but I, because you'd have all thought it was going to spray everywhere, but I didn't do it. Um, but it would have been funny, wouldn't it? I think it would. No? I'd, I'd, it would have brought me joy. <laughs> but actually, you find a bottle of lemonade and there's nothing going on inside it. But it's got all the ingredients it needs to make a bit of a mess, to be exuberant, to bubble, to flow out. If only you took the top off. For some of us, we just need to take the lid off and allow what God's put in us that we know is there to come out. When we take the lid off, it allows what God's put in to come out. Let me ask you a question. What is the lid, if there is one, that's holding what God has put in you? What's holding it down? What's the lid for you that's holding it in? That's meaning you don't express it. That's meaning that the joy is there, but your face hasn't quite caught up. (laughs) We've got that certainty. We've got that assurance. We know we're full of the spirit. But you think, oh, I don't know, it's just stuck somewhere. The lid's on. Maybe it's the lid of embarrassment as to what it might look like. Maybe it is the lid of circumstances around you that you've let them stop you. Maybe that lid for you is that you don't feel worthy of feeling that joy. Let me tell you, God's given it to you. You are worthy. It may be that there's something wrong, some wrong pattern of thought, something you are doing that you shouldn't be. That's plugging things up. It's time to take the lid off. It's time to let it show. It may be that the joy is in us, but it's not been realised yet. What do I mean by that? Well, I bought a house recently. And um, if tomorrow it doubled in value, yes, please. um, If tomorrow it doubled in value, So what? It wouldn't be worth any more to me in that sense. It wouldn't make any difference to my day-to-day income. It It would have doubled in value on paper only. But the value's there. It just won't have been realized. The only way to realize that value is for me to step out and sell it. And so with us, when we're full of joy, sometimes the only way for that to be realized, for us to understand it, experience it, live in the good of it, is to step out and be more reliant on the Spirit. They've got to take a step. And sometimes the Holy Spirit is saying, actually, I'm calling you to this, to rely on me more in stepping out in this and then watch the joy come. You know, if you've seen when Rob tells stories of people being healed that he's seen, have you seen the joy on his face? And as others tell stories of healing, have you seen the joy on their face? In fact, my experience is that there's so much joy when you pray for someone to be healed. There's almost more joy in the person who's been praying than the one who's been healed. Because you go, wow, God used me. Again, it's not about the circumstance around that. It's about stepping out and being obedient to God and doing all that he's put in you, letting it out. And sometimes that's the way that God wants to bring you joy, for that value to be realised. That's what, that's what we need. Wow, it's only five past eleven according to that clock, so I've got another hour. Excellent. 
Some people didn't look very joyful then. (laughs) I'm almost done because I want us to come back into the presence of God in a moment. So what does it look like? What does joy look like? I'm quite joyful now. But we know it's an emotion and we know it's from and by the Holy Spirit. But it does come out in different ways. There may be times when it is that determined, quiet assurance, that knowledge of I'm in the presence of God. I'm doing what God's called me. I might not be smiling right now because things are. But actually, there's something there that's making me carry on and keeping me on. There's a joy. That's okay, because sometimes that's the way we express it. And it doesn't show much externally. I don't spend my week at work, and you'll be surprised to know this, I don't spend my week at work jumping up and down and laughing. But that doesn't mean there's no joy there. But I know I'm in the presence of God. I'm doing what God's called me to do. But there comes a time when it bursts out, when it should burst out. There should come a time where it comes out in laughter, in rejoicing, in noise, shouting, maybe even dancing. Maybe. Maybe. Wait a minute, I've got more to say on that in a minute. But when there's... (laughs) Being heckled. (laughs) Just don't get ahead. Just don't get ahead. I've got more... When the supernatural joy given by the Holy Spirit comes, we should not bottle it up. That's what I'm saying. But let me just say a few words about some personality types and stuff like that. Wait a minute. Man, I never thought I'd get this much stick. As you know, I'm an exuberant toe tapper. It's true. It's true. I know. Sometimes you all wonder he's going to do himself an injury if he carries on. (laughs) Don't start. I'm holding off the laughter until I finish just so I can get on. I'm not bottling it up, honest. God made us who we are. okay? and I think this is important for a whole number of people here. God made you who you are. Some are naturally quieter and more introverted. Some are naturally more exuberant and extroverted. Okay, And we can embrace that because that's who God has made us. But what we need to be careful, whichever side of that you are, is that we don't use it as an excuse for what we then do and how we express ourselves. Okay. Now, I am naturally more introverted, but I can't use that. I must not use that as an excuse for not doing certain things. Okay, that's not on. But in the same way, you might find someone dancing in church who's not dancing because they're full of the spirit. They're dancing just because they enjoy dancing. Do you see what I mean? It goes both ways. And so we need to honour one another in the way we express ourselves. We need to not judge one another in the way we express the joy that God has given us. Now, it's different from encouraging But we've got to be honouring of one another. But at the same time, we mustn't use it as an excuse. We mustn't say, well, I'm I'm introverted, so I can't, you know, I'm just going to stand here like this. We can't do that. We mustn't do that. Because this is about the Holy Spirit, and he transcends all boundaries like that. Okay? 
but he also uses who we are, and he's made us who we are. So let's just get that balance right, but not use it as an excuse. Let's also not use, for those of you who are British here, let's not use our culture or cultural strongholds yes, come on. to stop us from doing come on, things. Paul, okay? Come on, Paul. You know? Amen. <laughs> See, there are some things you know you just, you've got to put those in because you know people are going to be with you on them. <laughs> But we mustn't, you know. I spent a couple of weeks in Africa many years ago and I would be preaching and they would jump up and dance when you made a good point. It was amazing. But there's a cultural thing in that. And I'm not saying we have to be like that, but we mustn't let our culture stop us from the work of the Spirit in us. We mustn't do that. So you are allowed to show your emotions. It's good, it's healthy. It's allowed, whatever they might be. And in fact, I added something in just as I got here. No, just before I got here this morning, because it's, this has been said a number of times recently. Laughter. The enemy, our enemy's real. You know that, don't you? And he hates laughter. Yeah. Yeah. He hates laughter. We've been told about that. Surprise told us about that. That actually witch doctors wouldn't allow laughter in their home because it's a spiritual weapon. So laugh lots and laugh long. Yes, absolutely. Okay? And I think that there's something specific about laughter that the Holy Spirit does in us. We laugh in the face of our circumstances. We laugh in the face of the enemy because he has no control over us. Our circumstances have no control over us. Only God. Okay? So let's laugh because it's a weapon of warfare. It's good. We can we can we can do this together. So how do we get this joy? I think I've said this already. And I'm going to finish with this. And uh, can we have we got time? Have we are we out of time? We've got a few minutes. I just want us to stand together in the presence of God. Can we have some musicians and clever, joyful musicians? Let's stand together. How do we how do we get this joy? So I don't know what everybody's going through here today. For all I know, you might be going through the worst time of your life. It's, I, I don't know. I'm not right now. I'm going through a wonderfully happy time. Um, but I don't know what circumstances you're going through. So how do we get joy? How do we do that right now? How do we do that? We get in the presence of God. We come into the presence of God just like we were before and we say, God, I, I, need, I need it. I want it. I want that fullness of joy in your presence. And I think God wants to do that in us now. And that might be expressed in different ways. That's okay. So I have no idea what these guys are going to play, whether it's going to be slow or fast. Slow's fine for now. And I just want us to be in God's presence. So let's close our eyes. If it helps you, just hold your hands out. We do that often just as a sign to God, come, I want to receive from you.
Holy Spirit, we just ask that you come upon us now, that we know your presence as we draw into your presence now as we as we close this part of our time together. <clears throat> we want you, we want to be in your presence. We want to know fullness of joy. Father God, we want to laugh in the face of our circumstances. Not to trivialise them because they're real, but actually just to say God is bigger than those. God is bigger than our circumstances. If you're going through a hard time right now, just ask the Holy Spirit to come upon you and allow you to smile, to chuckle, and to laugh through those circumstances. Just ask him, Holy Spirit, come right now, come upon us, and just bring laughter to our lips where there's only been sorrow. Where things have been going wrong, Father, I pray that you will bring a joy and a laughter that's bigger than those circumstances. In your presence, Lord, there is fullness of joy. We know you're in your, that we are in your presence now. So bring that joy, I pray. Bring that joy. Father, where anxiety has been removed by you today, bring joy. Replace it by joy right now. Replace it by joy. Where there's a fear of allowing emotions to be expressed, Father, I pray you will just break that now and bring freedom of expression to emotion. You'll bring freedom of expression whether that's laughter or crying, just bring that freedom, Lord God. We want to be a people who are free in your presence to express what you're doing in us. Bring freedom in that, Lord God. Bring freedom. Just focus on God. Focus on Him.